This is the February 2021 version of Writer's Retreat. And I, for one, did not see the recording announcement. Did, did any of you? Yes. It said this meeting is being recorded. Excellent. Okay. All right. I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty, but it's all right. So, um, yeah, I am Deborah Kendrick, and this is Writer's Retreat. And I think what we'll do first off, we do have people who want to share some writing this evening, but we'll go around and say who we are. And one kind of trivial thing that I have been thinking about this, I'm thinking about it just this evening, but it's something that's popped into my head off and on for probably 25 years. And that is, why do you or do you not put an identifying signature on your email? And if you do have one, how did you create it? How did you develop what it would say? So um, with that very strange question in mind, I, oh, and so we want to know where you are, too. So I'll go first, and I'm Deborah Kendrick, and I'm in freezing, freezing, freezing Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh. I have never had an email signature of any kind, even though I have thought about it very often. I used to make all kinds of jokes about all the funny letters I would put at the bottom because people are so crazy about identifying themselves with their certificates and degrees. I've always found that amusing. But the main reason I don't have one is because I'm really lazy. <laughs> um, so uh, let's see. First in, Sally, why don't you go next? Um, do you want to know why I don't have a signature? Or Oh, but you do. I just saw it today. It's just Sally. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Sally? Okay, Sally, we're going to come back to you because I'm going to find it. I'm going to read it to you. <laughs> you have <laughs> I have no idea what it is. And I, oh, my gosh. That's I sometimes find my cat's name if I'm writing to somebody, a friend. But um, unless uh, it says Sally and Tamsin, I'm clueless. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go find Deborah, it. Deborah, while you're hunting for that, I can talk about my, my myself and my signature. If okay, that I, was, I was trying to get people in the order they arrived, which makes oh, you... I'm sorry. Okay, I was just right, being right. helpful. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, I, and I got it. I got Sally's open. <coughs> okay. It is signed, Sally Rosenthal, a frequent computer... Oh, oh, I don't usually put that on. I usually don't put that on. That is because I submitted this to magnets and ladders. Okay, okay. Whoop. Yeah. Oh, well. (laughs) Well, so for those who maybe haven't seen it, this is what it says. Sally Rosenthal, a frequent contributor to online and print journals, survived a stroke in infancy and has been blind and profoundly deaf for 20 years. She lives in Philadelphia with her rescue cat. How do you say it? Tamsin. Yeah. Tamsin. Okay. Anyway, so, so you 
put that on there accidentally is what you're saying. You don't mean to have it on your email. No, I didn't mean to have that on the one I sent to this group, no. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just late. Uh, probably I'm just lazy to take it off. Um, <laughs> if, I su- if I submit something to a publication, um, they usually want something like that, so... I've right. gotten it smaller and smaller over the years. Yeah. Okay. 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 So now I don't remember who was in next. I think it was Marcia. I think Marcia yeah. was first. So Marcia, go ahead. Anyway, um, I don't have a signature on my personal email, but I do on my full sale email because I was told that you know, if I didn't have a signature, it was, you know, bad form. And now, 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 if we don't have a signature, I'm going to slap your little hands, don't we know? So I had to put a signature on that. But on my uh, personal email, I don't have it. And it's because, yeah, just like Debbie, I'm lazy as hell. And I'll admit it. So what does your signature say, Marcia? Just, I don't have one. I just. Oh, I, I thought you put, said you. No, okay. no, I, I have my okay. the one on uh, the full sale, and it just says, you know, um, <clears throat> Marsha Mackey, full sale student or something like that. Hell, I can't even remember what I've got on there now. Okay. But, you know, and that's the only reason is because the university said I had to do it, and I right. got my little okay. hands slapped. And you, you know? and you didn't tell us where you are. Oh, oh, sorry about that. I'm San Francisco, California. Thank you. Okay. Helen? Yeah. So I'm Helen Kobeck. I'm in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And um, I have just a really basic signature, one with my accent modification website and phone number, uh, because that's the main way that I make my living. And then also I just have author and then a link to my book, Everyday Cruelty. And that's my signature. Sometimes I add on if I've been active with my journalism, I am um, an independent journalist with um, a newspaper. So if I've been active in it in the last number of months or so, then I'll tuck that back on. But if it's been kind of, if I haven't written something for it for more than a few months, I take it off and then pop it back on. So I don't want people to link over to something that's, you know, a sort of a um, not very active place if I haven't published recently so on that yeah. yeah so you obviously also know how to switch them in and out um well I just basically go into the settings uh-huh. so I, is that what you mean by switch I just yeah if you have more it. than one yeah 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 mm. okay well I might be asking somebody to teach me how to do that okay Mary Mary, Mary, I know you're here. Mary, Mary, quite, quite good. contrary. How's your garden, girl? <laughs> uh, Mary Highland from Columbus, Ohio, and I I have a signature, uh, which is the the titles of the two books that I have published, and where you can get them. Mm-hmm. Period. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, 
a follow-up question here, I think, about this because, but I'll let Abby, because yeah. Abby. I'm the last one. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I get for coming in late. Oh, well, that's all okay. right. Anyway, okay. um, I live in Sheridan, Wyoming, and we are also freezing. It, it may, it got up to nine degrees today for the first time. It's been below zero for, <sighs> oh, most of the week. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, as for an email signature, yes, I have one. Um, I'm, um, it's, uh, because I understand that, um, if e- an email, you know, an email signature is a good way to advertise yourself as a writer. So my signature is just very simple. It's simple. It just says Abby Johnson, Taylor author. And below that is my website address, HTTP colon slash slash www abbyjohnsontaylor.com and then my email address below that and so it's, it's very simple so short and sweet so those of you who have them which i would say means abby mary mm-hmm. helen and sally whether she knew it or not <laughs> <laughs> do you do, do you I mean, obviously, I've been giving this some thought lately and, and thinking that I'm kind of silly not to have one. So do you think that, have you gotten any feedback from people because they've read your signature? Do you think that people, that, that these this is increasing your readership? Um, I don't know that I that my signature has increased my readership, but I did get a complaint from some busybody on behind our eyes when I was secretary and I sent the minutes and I had my signature below that. And she said, we don't need that graffiti at the bottom of your email message. And at first I didn't know what she was talking about. And yeah, exactly. It took me a a while to figure that out. She did not like my signature. She, she thought it was unprofessional, you know, unprofessional. Uh, I like to have that signature down there below the minutes. Uh, so, uh, but that was just one person and I don't know, uh, if it has increased my readership, but at least if someone is interested, especially from sending somebody something and they don't know me and they see that I'm an author, they might, you know, want to check out my website. So I think it is helpful to most people, maybe to, if they're interested in knowing who I am. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen some where people have, I swear, it looks like half their resume at the bottom. And that's, uh, yeah, now that's, a, now that's, a, I think it's a, it's a bit too long, you know? Yeah. And I know somebody, yeah, she's got all her books on there. She's got a web, her Facebook page, her blog address. She has get out, look for iOS on there too. When she does it from her iPhone and, <laughs> and then she has a, uh, some quotes. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. a bit lengthy. It's a, it might be a bit too, too much. I would, I wouldn't call it graffiti, but, it's a bit too too long. But, so, Mary, uh, what, what do you think? Has, do you think that it's increased readership or gotten you some wider attention that you might have gotten otherwise? Has it been beneficial? Who are you asking? Mary. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mary, Mary, quite contrary, is out in her garden again. <laughs> Are you sleeping? Are you sleeping? 
coming up with some some good some nice variations to that nursery rhyme. <laughs> she's muted. Okay. Well, let's see. So, Helen, what do you have to say about it? While Mary unmutes, maybe she left the room for a moment. <laughs> Uh, um, I would say maybe every month or so someone sees the signature of the book um, mm-hmm. and then writes to me and said, oh, I didn't know that you wrote a book and I just ordered it. So, you know, it okay. sort of bumps it a little bit, you know, it might increase my sales a little bit or, you know, um, that kind of thing. So, you know, that's kind of why I have it there just so people know about it because yeah. I'm not really like, I don't do a lot of book talks. I do some, but not many. And um, you know, right. it's, it's, I, I've become, yeah. So it's, so I think it does give it a bit of a bump. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and Sally, what, am I the first person to tell you it was on your email? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, yeah. I usually don't put it on. Okay. Uh, okay. I just put it on that particular one. And then I was too lazy to take it off when I sent it to the group. But do you have a a general feeling about the value or um actually I I think if you've published I think it's a good way to let people know. But I haven't published anything. So um well you know that's not true. Um uh, when I do I've been a book reviewer for 20 years for a particular magazine. So when I write to publicists or I write to authors, um, generally I, I get books sent to me, but if I hear about something, I'll write to an author or a publicist and I'll have Sally Rosenthal, book reviewer, best friends, animal society uh-huh. and um, their website. So yeah, Okay. Um, that gives me a little more credibility than saying, hi, I'm Sally Rosenthal, and you don't know who I am, but could you please send me a free copy of your book? Um, yeah, yeah. Now, I will confess that the only time ever that I, if I'm writing to someone and I want to review their product for Access World, then I will type at that moment, Deborah Kendrick, Senior Features ad- Editor, Access World, American Foundation for the Blind, and, and, the, web, and the web address. But mm-hmm. I do it specifically so that, because otherwise I just sign Deborah to everything. And, and, you know, if you don't know me and I want to borrow your, you know, your expensive device to write about it, you <laughs> deserve to know a little bit about me, but that's the only time I do it. Is it just? Yeah. Um, I'm back. Mary, it looks like you came back. Are you okay? I did. Yes, I lost connection. Oh, and I was not sleeping. And it didn't be you. out in the garden, so that was kind of a dumb assumption. <laughs> so okay, so so Mary, um, I was asking you, do you have you felt have you experienced some benefit from you know I don't I don't think so. I mean, uh, I might have, but um, 
you know, I just got a statement of, you know, how much I'd made over the year. And, and according to that, no, but I think it was Helen that said she put a link to her book. Yeah. I think that's a fabulous idea. Um, Because if you do that, then you plop them. If they go to that link, they're plopped right down Mm -hmm. in in the place where they could buy my book. Yeah. (laughs) So I want to do that. Good. Yeah. Thanks for the tip. Oh, sure. That is a good idea. Now, my website, the homepage on my website is my latest book. And of course, when I publish a new book, then I'll change the homepage. And so when someone clicks on my website and my signature, they're taken right there to the homepage. And that's where my latest book is. It's not an Amazon page, but, but some people may not want to order on Amazon. I've got links to Smashwords or it's on Bookfair or wherever where they can where they can get it. So, you know, I want to give them choices and not just Amazon, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Well, I've said it for, for a long time. I do a lot of I've done a lot of publishing and almost no marketing. Mm-hmm. I'm to think lately that because what happens is I have all these compartments in my life. You know, they're blind people who know about Braille books, so they know National Braille Press, so they know about the books I wrote for them, but don't know anything about any of the stuff that I've written for the, the wider world. And in the same way, I mean, some of the things that I've written specifically for blindness publications are things I'm proudest of. And they're, you know, people in the sighted world don't know about those, you know, so, it, and, and that's a very simplified, you know, it's also like different segments, you know, people who read about, who love technology and read stuff I've written about technology think that's all I do. And I really, secret is out right here know nothing about technology (laughs) 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 um anyway yeah so I always feel a little nervous when the geeks in the room put me in their club and I'm thinking I don't really belong in your club um so (laughs) anyway well anyway I just I just wanted to go down that other questions of that nature occur to me from time to time and I thought I'd just throw them out here but I think at this point, we do have people who want to um, share some reading. And I'm going to start with you, Sally. And um, I asked you in an email, but then I didn't look for your answer. Did you want me to read your poem? Or yeah. You? Yes. Okay. Well, then I'm glad I that I copied it to a an SD card. <laughs> Because <laughs> it, it would have been really bad if you would have said yes, and I thought, oh, I gotta find. Oh no, yeah. Anyway, okay. So I have it, and I'm queuing it up here. I told Alan as we were getting the meeting opened that I'm not a person who takes pictures of any sort, selfies or otherwise. But if I were, a selfie of me at my desk right now would be very amusing to people who know technology (laughs) because I have got, oh my gosh, I have a very small desk. It's like four feet wide 
And to my left is one Braille display. In front of me is a larger Braille display. Oh, my gosh. I can see who's on the meeting. I have Sally's poem queued up on the one on the left. I have the mini Polaris on the right with my thing queued up because I didn't want to be around for files. And then then I've got three phones stacked up over here. It's crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. That sounds and a microphone. Like <laughs> oh, wow. It's it's wild. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's more, but I'm not going to make everybody throw up. Let's take a break. <laughs> and here's Sally's phone. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, and I just, sheesh. I, I'm, I'm stifling myself from saying what I think about this poem because I just want to read it. Mm. It's called A Daughter's Goodbye. Mm. One beyond his 77 years, my dying father sleeps sedated beneath crisp white sheets and blankets on a bed from which he will never rise. Kidney cancer has invaded nearby organs and claimed his bloodstream as its transport around his skeletal body that lingers on the brink of a new century. Outside the icy hospice window, dusk falls on the final day of a century and tucks its comfort tenderly around my father in his remaining hours. No stranger to floating through the sky with an army parachute down to the chaos and carnage of Normandy's beaches, he survived to lose this universal battle. His imminent journey will, I hope, be gentler and more peaceful as his soul transcends time and ether while, sadly, I release his hand. Ah, mm. uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm -hmm. Sally, yeah. I can't believe that you say you are unpublished. Well... I'm I'm really not. I started to write poetry about ten years ago, um, and Deanna um, Noriega has very in her gentle way has kept telling me you need to do something with these. So oh, this so year, I I am I'm getting um, some poetry and some prose pieces together and um i'm i hope I, it's going to work out oh it's just i just think this is is fine I, didn't you have anything something published in magnets and wires i thought you did but maybe i'm mistaken excuse me didn't you have something published in magnets and ladders a poem oh yeah i thought i, I oh i i usually do i thought you meant a book okay. no yeah. a, a, no a poem yeah so Deborah, she has yeah. been published. She is published. Yeah. So. I, when I think of publication, I think of a book. Um, but yes, right. well, I, I've no, been but published. Even, and, but even if you have, yeah, if I've, you I've have been, a published, been published, yeah, 
Yeah, I've been published before in a lot of academic stuff. When I was a librarian in OT, I did book chapters and um, peer-reviewed journals, things like that. And I do anthology publications for a lot of animal animal related anthologies and um back in my early early days I did disability rag and mainstream and that type of thing. Oh, okay, okay, great. So um especially po- poetry like in new. this the the no stranger to floating through the sky. I I really like that, you know, connecting the dying to the Normandy beaches. And um, he survived to lose this universal battle. I kept reading that line. And, you know, this is maybe sounds like a funny thing to say, but sometimes the poems that I like best um, are a desire in me to write a poem. And that was my first reaction to this when I read it the other day. I immediately had this memory of my grandfather and I've always memory and I've always wanted to do something to preserve it. And I thought, this is it. I should write a poem about that moment. So I will. And maybe you'll. There you go. Thank you. So I wanted to say thank you for that because I mean, it's my odd way of saying to me, that's one of the, the, the highest praises of a poem is that if it makes, it evokes an emotion in you that makes you want to echo it. Yeah, I I like to think of myself as sitting across a kitchen table with a cup of coffee from somebody, and they're reading my poem, and then they they come up and say, yes, it was like this for me, or no, it wasn't quite like that. Um, it's always been a very like one-to-one thing. Um, yeah. 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 I think, well, I think that's what poetry is. I think um, there was a, a wonderful event recently that a friend had to send me an email. It was free. Um, and it was the two previous poet laureates. Um, it was called the power of poetry. And uh, um Joy Harjo and Natasha <clears throat> cannot pronounce, but it was so cool. It was a Zoom event, and they were just in their living rooms reading poetry to probably a couple thousand people. Um, but I, one of them said something about that, about, you know, poetry being kind of a one-on-one. So them just being alone reading it was okay. <laughs> um, Anyway, so, well, does anybody else, I don't want to monopolize here. Does anybody else have anything? Thank you. Thank you for sharing it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Very, very powerful. Very powerful. You might want to maybe think about submitting that to Magnuson Ladder sometime. Excuse me? Uh, You might want to think about submitting that to Magnuson Ladder sometime. I did. Oh, Okay. So, you know, if, if, you know, back to publishing, chapbooks are often, you know, very, you know, they're small and you wouldn't need too many if you had like, I don't know, 
Because so, I've kind of thought about that myself. I don't know. Yeah, chat books, you only have, you know, maybe 25, 30 poems. You wouldn't have to have that many for chat mm-hmm. books. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking of that, but what I really wanted to do was put the poetry that I have in different sections, um, like my life, my relatives, um, yeah. my dogs. And um, and my husband and right. all the all the stuff with him, um, and then connect it with sketches of the people in my family, um, those I've known and those I haven't known. Because my mother was English, and I never knew her side of the family, but I knew a lot about them. And I think there's a there's a bridge between the prose and the poetry that makes me who I am and how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so nice. I'll, I'll see what I can come up with. Nice. Yes. Kraken. <laughs> what I'll probably do is just eat far too much chocolate and drink too much tea oh, while I'm walking around <laughs> wondering what am I going to do with this stuff? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, Deborah, this is Helen. I, have a, I do have a question, if I may. Go okay. Yeah. I guess I've been here for a while and I haven't shared anything yet. And I think I would feel really warmly part of the group if I were. Am I able to read something that has already been published? Um, to share that? Okay. Just so people yeah. get a sense of how, what I do sure. so I can feel like I'm part of it. So, um, yeah. I would love to, it's, okay. it's 700 words or something. It's not very long. Just okay. something I've written. If that's okay with folks, but um, okay. not to muscle in, but yeah. Sure. No, okay. that'd be great. Okay. Okay. So we, so um, let's, we might not do it today or did you not mean today? Did you mean? Oh, um, <clears throat> well, I was offering today, but it doesn't okay. have to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh all right. Well, let's just see how it goes. If we, if we. Oh, sure. Um, okay. So, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't read very often myself, and I kind of want to, but I don't want to until everyone else has. So. Mm. So, and Mary, I thought you told me in a personal conversation that you had something tonight, but I didn't get an email from you. Do you have something? I do not. You do not. Okay. You made that up. I just <laughs> Hey. Oh, dear. I could do that. I'm a writer. I have an imagination. I, I might have told you that, you know, three or four months ago, but I don't. Okay. All right. So, it's gone. So, Abby, um, let's, okay. let's go to yours. All right. Okay. Well, um, those of you who know me might think this is a true story, but it's not. It's pure fiction. It was inspired by something that happened here in Sheridan uh, years ago. This is called A Day of First. I'm 47 years old, and for the first time in my life, I have a cavity. Here I am in the dentist's chair about to have it filled. Because this is one of my worst fears, I feel as if my world is being turned upside down. I'm also afraid of being arrested and getting stuck in an elevator, none of which has happened, at least not yet. 
If you'd prefer, I could give you gas, the dentist says, but you'd need to rest at home afterward. No, my husband is partially paralyzed and I need to be able to take care of him. I understand. I'll give you some Novocaine. As the drill winds, I close my eyes and imagine myself lying in bed, snuggled next to my husband with my next door neighbor boring holes into something. To my surprise, there's no pain, only a cold sensation. When I arrive home, a policeman is waiting. Did you know you were supposed to appear for jury duty today? He asks. No, I just got back from the dentist. It's all I can think to say. You were sent a notice last week. I found it in the bushes under the mailbox. He holds up a white envelope. I see by your cane that you're blind. So I understand why you didn't get it. Actually, I have some vision, I say, looking at my husband sprawled in his recliner. I turn back to the cop. You're right. I didn't see the notice. I'd be glad to serve on a jury anytime, but I need advance notice so I can make arrangements for my husband's care. He's partially paralyzed and depends on me for everything. I'm sorry, but I have to take you in anyway. You need to appear in Judge Watkins' court this afternoon. I feel a sick, I feel a sick sensation in the pit of my stomach. My husband, knowing all my worst fears, bursts out laughing. I turn and glare at him. That's not funny. What the hell am I supposed to do with you? Between paroxysms of mirth, he answers, call Westwood Manor. Hmm. Westwood Manor is the nursing home where he goes for respite care when I need to be out of town. It's also the place where I worked for 15 years before I decided to write full time. I turn again to the policeman. Can you wait while I make arrangements? Of course. With trembling fingers, I dial the number I know by heart. I ask to speak to the admissions director I've known for years. Thank goodness he doesn't laugh when I explain the situation. He assures me there will be no problem. It just so happens I'm driving the van today because our regular driver is sick, he says. I have nothing else to do, so I'll pick him up in a few minutes. The cop waits with infinite patience while I toss items into a suitcase for my husband. I'm glad of the distraction that keeps my panic at bay. As soon as I park my husband in his wheelchair, by the kitchen door, the nursing home van pulls into the driveway. If I'd taken the gas at the dentist's office, I would be totally numb. I wouldn't feel the handcuffs biting into my wrist or hear my husband laughing at me. I wouldn't be shaking as the policeman helps me into the back seat of his patrol car. At the station, I'm locked in a holding cell with four other people who also failed to appear for jury duty. We swap stories. The others had either forgotten or like me, didn't know they had to appear. One guy had just returned from a long vacation and hadn't gone through his mail yet. 
Later that afternoon, after being given the regulation orange jumpsuits to wear, we're taken to the courthouse in leg irons and handcuffs and herded into an elevator. The car ascends and stops with a jerk. After a moment, one of the sheriff's deputies says, I think we're stuck. Oh, great, I say, my heart pounding. This day couldn't have gotten any worse if it tried. The end. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have That's to a great fantasy. <laughs> Abby, the first thing I thought when I read this, when you sent it, was, Abby, I didn't know you could be so funny. This was mm. really funny. <laughs> and it, listening to you read it, I was concerned that maybe it wasn't meant to be as funny as I thought. But oh, no, no, it is supposed to be funny. It is supposed <laughs> to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, if this were actually happening, I wouldn't think it was funny. Yeah, yeah. But if, it, if it had happened and I looked back on it, I might have thought it was funny. But yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be funny. Now, of course, my main character doesn't think it's funny, but yeah, it's supposed to be funny. I think it's, um, <laughs> it's in this instance, it's especially good that you introduce it with that line. People who know me may think this is true, but it's pure fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, As, right. Because since there are so many elements of, of truth in it. Yes, right. But, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, uh, I guess the only thing, you know, that you kind of, your mind kind of stumbles over a little bit um, is the business of handcuffs for missing jury duty. Well, this actually happened, not to me, but uh, some people here in town years ago, there was an article about it in the paper. And they they had they missed jury duty because they forgot or didn't see the letter, or whatever. And they actually were hauled into court in handcuffs and leg irons, you know. And I actually knew the judge who was involved. He was a friend of the family. I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe this, you know. And I saw him on the street or somewhere, and I said, oh wow, you know, I read about this, uh, you know. And I'm I'm going to make sure that I check my mailbox because I could just see it happening to me. I could just see. You know, because if I'm pulling stuff out of the mailbox, I could drop something very easily and it could end up in the bushes underneath the mailbox and I might not see it. So I told him, well, you know, I saw, I read about what happened and I said, uh, you know, I'm going to make sure, make absolutely sure I don't drop any stuff, you know, because I don't want that happening to me because I, you know, I have to think about Bill. I can't be hauled off and, and leave Bill to fend for himself. Yeah. You know, and he right. said, well, you know what? I didn't ask if they haul those people in you know, in handcuffs and leg wire. I didn't ask for them to call them in like that. He said he didn't ask for that. He didn't order right. that to happen. So I don't well, know. I sort of I sort of suspected exactly that when I read your note at the top. I thought I bet there was a, a you know a funny incident where people did indeed get arrested for missing jury. Yeah it, it yeah it absolutely that that's that's what inspired the story. Mm-hmm. You know you, know, you might um you might submit this to there, you know, there are magazines that like little humorous, quirky anecdotes. Right. Like, you know, right. Just does some stuff like that. Yeah. 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 You might try to submit it somewhere like that. Any, yeah. Sure. Anybody else have any comments for Abby? I had to laugh my socks off when I read this. I really did. 
and and I loved I loved it. I really did. <laughs> it is really fun to hear. Yeah. Thank you for reading it to us. You're welcome. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I thought it's a, it's a good thing because you need something kind of lighthearted after after the first reading. So I it's a good thing. It worked out perfectly. <laughs> so okay, so I'm I was kind of mixing up. So Helen, let's go. Let's hear what you got. <laughs> oh, are you sure? I am sure. Show okay. your stuff. Let's Tell um, us. Okay. So this was published in um, CCTV Cambridge News. And this is an article that's, um, this actually did happen where it's, it's called When a Bird Flies Into Your House. Um, how to get them out instructions that work. So we actually had a bird fly into our house and we had to figure out how to get it out. Um, <laughs> So this is just a, a recounting of a humorous um, a recounting of the situation. And it's some of it's, well, you'll see it's sort of, um, there's some fakery involved, but the actual technique is true. Um, this can happen anywhere there are houses and birds. This story is about what to do when a bird flies into your house or apartment in Cambridge, which can happen any, any it can happen to anyone. Here in Cambridge, measuring about seven square miles with so much wildlife, so many birds, especially at this time of year. There are also so many birds nests where many birds live. You probably live within 15 feet of a bird nest nestled into some eaves or foyer and you don't even know it. In fact, you might even be sitting in a bird nest reading this article right now, unaware of it because you weren't paying attention paying precise attention as you made your way home while looking at your handheld device. Take a second right now, look around and see if there's a mother robin breathing heavily over you, not giving you her worm, concerned about your enormous presence with her birdlings. Go ahead and climb down, go to your own place just around the corner for goodness sake. And be aware that if you did make yourself at home in a bird nest, you are much more likely to be the house guested to be house guested by a baby bird in the near future. It's called house trading. And I'm just guessing about this. Truly, even though Cambridge is very small, there's a lot of wildlife and other things compounding themselves all around the city. Here's a rough imagined breakdown of how Cambridge is made up square footage wise. Education, 10%. Air, 20%. Trees, 10%. Neighbors, 15%. Fruit, 0.079%. Band-Aids, 0.0009%. Other, roughly 4%. Birds at this time of year, 40% or so. <clears throat> this is a guess based on what I've noticed recently. All these birds move very quickly when they feel like it. So they can enter your home quickly. And if it, it hasn't already happened to you, it probably will someday. It happened just the other day for us here in East Cambridge. Here is the not intricate process by which it happened, and you won't believe how complex it was not. I opened the front door to get the mail, and a young sparrow flew into the kitchen. Just like that, within two seconds, without asking if we were busy, without saying hello, good day, just flew in, made a beeline for the lower part of the kitchen drawers, trotted around the cabinet, birding down between the fridge and the wall, and settled into a dark corner where they sat quietly, breathing. We went down and talked to them. Hello, 
Wouldn't you like to come out and go outside with your other birds? No answer. Is there someone we can call for you? Your mom, your, your brother, big bird, a trusted friend, still no answer. We told them they were safe to come out and that the door was still open for them to leave. We asked if they were okay. Nothing, total silence. What's going on here? Are they hurt? No, they hadn't flown into anything to get hurt by. Are they dead? No, we could see them moving ever so slightly, but they weren't responding to anything we were saying or asking. This went on for a cool 10 minutes and then it dawned on me what was happening. Oh, wow. How could I have missed this? This tiny, humble little sparrow, this little bird, this bird was, this bird was ignoring us. Wow. I never, this did not bode well for the lived experience of this particular house guest staying with us <laughs> for the next several seasons. <laughs> If this bird was going to be so terribly rude as a house guest for the first 10 minutes of being hosted, which is when most guests are up on their best behavior, right? I could only imagine living with this bird and being ignored while they eat our food, use our bathroom, have their little friends over for indoor parallel play flight games, don't contribute to our heating or real estate taxes or anything. I was not going to stand for this. No, not. We have to get that bird out of here while we still have our dignity, I said to my partner. Fortunately, we agreed on this point. So we called the truly wonderful, loving souls at Animal Commission, who dispatched someone immediately, expected some time, 15 minutes or so. But we also quickly went online to find out how to get a bird to leave your house and found exceptional instructions, which we followed with success within 60 seconds. So we notified Animal Commission that we were all set. Here's what we did. And this is so that you can do it so easy, you can do it too. It's easy. It doesn't require touching or catching or frightening or potentially harming vulnerable, rude little birds. One, close doors to all rooms so the bird takes flight. They have limited notice so that when the bird takes flight, they have limited choices about where to go. Two, Darken the room. The bird is darken the room room the bird is in by closing shades and doors between rooms. Three, leave one window or door open so the bird finds sunlight and flies towards it. Stay out of the way of its potential flight path. Four, once this has been set up, do something mildly irritating near the, near the bird in order to motivate them to move on from their hiding place. We loudly discussed the concept of a chores chart with an earshot ear of the bird, which I'm pretty sure did the trick. For added measure, though, we also jostled the fridge just a bit. Immediately, the bird flew out from behind the fridge and made a beeline for the exit door 15 feet away. The door they came through in the beginning. The little bird flew out so quickly because of the chores chart, we didn't have a chance to offer them information about finishing schools, which we found online at the same time as seeking how to get the bird to leave. So there you have it, our story, which ended well. I cannot speak highly enough of the animal control folks, which I commented about earlier. Mostly, um, let's see, they're all of great experience and comfort. We're fortunate to have such dedicated, educated, good-hearted folks available for us when our homes are used as literal Airbnbs. 
Um, and then I, and there's, there's a visual here that actually disappeared with publication maybe two months ago, but um, I did do a chores chart and added it. So I do in my writing, I do a lot of really funny visuals um, to just sort of heighten it. So that's just one of them, um, I guess maybe 40 or 50 things I've put up on CCT Cambridge News. And I try to do things that are educational, um, but but witty and try to engage people in the in the education of it. So thank you for letting me share that. Oh, you're welcome. That's that was very, interesting. That's very, great. Very funny. It's very funny. The, yeah. The funny, chart. but educational all the same. Mm. What was the chart? I liked, is there someone we can call for you? Yeah, um, <laughs> Big Bird, your mother. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. yes it was fun good. to write. It was fun to write this one. Thank you. The chart that you referred to, I didn't catch what you called it. Oh, it's um. In order to get the bird out, I you know mm-hmm. I thought that if I threatened them with having to do chores, so when you live oh, chores with chart. in apartments, you have to write up a chores chart and. Uh-huh. You know, the, so they were going to be responsible for doing the floor. I thought it would be just a repellent to get them out of That's, the house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's very. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to see it become a sequel. Ah. Yeah. A series, I mean. Uh-huh. Well, Ellen, I, you know, I, <laughs> I you, you could, you could have my story um because we had a bat in the house i was awakened one night by my daughter who was downstairs watching television and she mm-hmm. told me there was a bat flying around so there was oh. a lot to that story and um we you know similar path but without such instant success it took us a day <laughs> really yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Well, that reminds me when I was in college and I was still living at home, there was a bat in my in our house. And my mother, of course, was terribly frightened of them. But she said, well, let's just leave it alone. And in the morning we can try to maybe we can get it rid of it. But it kept flying around and she was screaming and she finally you know, got up and turned the light on. And then she calmly she took my it was in my room. But, you know, it was flying around and she could hear it because her bedroom was just across the hall and the doors were open. And so she came in she, and she used my old letter sweater and wrapped, was able to get to wrap the bat up in the letter sweater and take it outside. So. Really? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Wow. All right. Well, you know, it's a wonder it didn't wow. fire. I mean, I would have been afraid to do that, but she, you know, and she was terrified at first, but finally uh-huh. she just calmly just, you know, got in there and, uh, you know, and just took it and just Please. got out of there. With with your piece, Helen, mm. what you should do is have the, you know, in your in your mind's eye, have the bird come back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with a with a little suitcase. Yeah, yeah. Oh God! Exactly. <laughs> with some rudeness and, and a it. list of preferable foods. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. Anyway. Awesome. awesome. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank oh, you. thanks, folks. That's a really good <laughs> a day so, to get the bat out. My God, that's terrible. Okay. So, yeah, that is terrible. What, Deborah? 
Yeah, um, I'm just looking at the time. So we usually go for an hour if we, so we can, uh, we can do that. If we go for an hour, we're probably going to have to stop here. If we mm-hmm. want to try going for an hour and a half, which is perfectly okay, um, accessible worldwide. If we go for an hour and a half, then we have two more people who want to read. Or we can have them wait till next month. What do you want to do? I can, I'm happy to stay on. Well, we have to just have a couple more people. We can just keep going and let them, let them read. That shouldn't take too long. <laughs> okay, so we're saying go on. Okay. Mm. So um, the other two people are Marsha and me. So Marsha, uh, we're going to have you go next. Okay. <clears throat> go last. And here is the chapter away. three of my little uh, science fiction book. And last time, you know, Ben and them had gone... And, uh, you know, the cell phone rang and he says, you know, hey, let's, um, you know, go along with go go along with these people for the present. Uh, And she and Emma says she will. And he says, good, I'm glad I can count on you. So here's the next part. And here's his side of it. Now, Ben, a 25 year old man with uh, with brown hair and green eyes gets his coat and prepares to leave the company's documentation room. He had just been given the assignment to teach Emma the new technology. He had been given the assignment to find out as much as he could about the young lady he is to instruct. Little did he know she was going to be the toughest nut he would have to crack. He gets his dog and runs like the hounds of hell were after him. He didn't want to miss the last train he could take to get back home. Pablo, his dog, seemed to pick up on his master's tension. He pulls hard in his harness. Come on, Pablo, let's step it up. It's crazy cold out here, and I want to hit that train. Pablo softly woofed at his master. Hustle, hustle, he said as they both went into a dead run. Here's the train chugging into the station. People hurry out of the train as if they were is that they knew no tomorrow. Ben and his dog get on, and as luck would have it, he found a seat in one of the middle rows. Ben plops down just as the train is about to move. He guides his dog under the seat as he had always been taught to do. Pablo lets out a soft whine as he goes underneath the seat. I know, big guy, being underneath the seat and seeing people's legs as the only view isn't your idea of fun. He then gives Pablo a pet and scratch in his favorite sweet spot, just between his shoulders. (coughs) Doc puts his head 
on Ben's feet, knowing that he would have a long train ride ahead of him, he set about finding out more about Emma, his newest student. Ah, he takes his phone and his eye turn and through the swipes, taps, and more taps on his refreshable display's keyboard. He hoped to find out as much information as he could. He then gets to work. Let's see, now I'm waiting for this thing to refresh here. I wonder if she is on any dating sites. A smile lit his face. The name sounded familiar, though he, at that moment, he couldn't place it. I know, I've met up with her somewhere. Was it when we were in school? Was it when we were at the youth STEM meeting and we were both running around together? It could have been that time when we were at a dance and we both had two left feet. We couldn't dance step one if our lives depended on it. It will be fun to get back in touch with her if it's the same person. <clears throat> See, he set to work trying to find out about her. Damn! I would think she would have been on some dating site. Oh, well, guess I'll have to try a different tack. He then went on the chat sites to see if she were there. She wasn't. Damn! Where else could I go? Just as he was about to give up hope, he remembered she was on a mailing list for assistive technology trainers. He had forgotten she had gone into special education and then migrated into the assistive technology tech field. Then Ben remembered <clears throat> that he had seen her at a techie meeting. She was playing with the iTron Model A1. It looked like a crude affair to them both. He also remembered he had taken her out to eat <clears throat> after the presentation. Now I remember her. After the presentation, we went out to eat and then went to my house for a nightcap of lemon zinger herbal tea. He then began to put the two pieces together. He went to his itron and looked up her last known address. Ooh, this is getting hot. He would ask his boss, Sonia Krapovsky, if he could get a day off to check out his new candidate. There is nothing like checking out a would-be candidate for this precious technology. Ben 
message Ms. Krapovsky. He would have he would have liked to have called her by a few other choice names. After asking her if he could take <laughs> the day off in order to find out more about his candidate, he waited for the familiar vibration telling him that he was getting um, a text. He got a three-word text, yes, go ahead. He was about to type in her last known address when the train stopped. Knowing that he was at the end of the line, he and Pablo got off along with the hordes of people doing the same thing. He packed up his itron and got off. Pablo, of course, ah, was wanting to make a fast dash for home, knowing that there was going to be food waiting for him. The dog also knew that playing ball was also on the agenda. It almost always was. <clears throat> and he was happy to move faster to get there. Ben was only too happy to give the dog his head to go as fast as, he was, as it was safe. Ben stopped at the accustomed place where Pablo could read his P-mail after the dog's own contribution to the doggy news, he almost runs to the house. He opens the door and is glad to get into the apartment's warmth. After feeding the dog, he goes and rummages around in his fridge to find out what TV dinners and other quick fix items he can rustle up. He finds one of his favorite dinners and pops it into his smart microwave oven. He takes on his, he taps on his mouth and <coughs> a couple of times. <coughs> microwave app starts for the, and the smart oven starts to whir. And then with a couple of clicks, the temperature of his favorite dinner is set. He then sits down to read his favorite food magazine. Ben is a fairly good cook, though he is not above, uh, let's see, yeah. He's not above eating TV dinners and other mix and match foods that he has in his various packages and cans. He likes nothing better than to see what creations he can make. Suddenly, his smart oven begins to make that telltale clanging sound that lets him know that he can get the stuff out of the oven and take advantage of the meal he has prepared. He then remembers from the TV guide on his iPhone that there is a bunch of True crime flicks he wants to watch. He then sits back in his favorite chair and flicks one of the iTron's app, the descriptor app, since he had linked to his TV. Then all, see, then all he had to do 
was to tap the description of the app and the description of the app would come up. Just as he was really getting into the latest crime flick, a message comes over his iTrons console. Oh, damn it. Do you really have to interrupt me? Just as I'm getting into the most exciting part of this crime flick, Benny, darling, now you must really learn to control your excitement. If you get too excited, I'll have to medicate you. He knew Ms. Krapovsky's voice with its thick Russian accent. My God, Sonia, Ben says in exasperation. Is there some law that I'm not allowed to get into the flick I'm watching? Now, Benny, we simply must learn to control ourselves. We all know that if we have aggressive emotions, that it could lead to violence. This has been seen throughout the, throughout history. Yeah, I know, Ben said with exaggerated patience. I mean, what are you trying to do? What about freedom of choice? Where does that come into the pick into the equation? Benny, I never thought I'd hear you talk this like this. It was Sonia's turn to stand there with her mouth wide open. You know we're trying to make a better world where violence is unknown. We know that you people in the community of those who are afflicted with blindness need to be more vigorously controlled. This idea of polit being political could be dangerous. Little did Sonia know that she had let out the very thing for which, uh, let's see, for this technology would be used. Little okay. did she know um, that the more she spoke, Sonia would be digging her grave Gave deeper and deeper, and that's where it ends. Okay, okay. Ah. Um, well, there's, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot here. Um, it's clearly, <laughs> a draft. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, a couple of suggestions I think that I would make would be to figure out exactly how how much of this stuff is is necessary. I mean, it's a little bit of a catalog of tasks performed by a blind person with technology. Yeah. Yeah, I probably could cut that down a little bit, yeah. And 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 I I would and another thing, I mean, again, you know, we um it's a draft. So yeah. you just put more in so that you know you can play with it later. But his whole recall of how he knows this woman seems a little um, seems a little much. Well, 
he remembers or he doesn't. He, he starts out by saying, I mean, if this is if this was a conversation he was having with somebody, maybe he could fake it that he doesn't really remember this person. He, her, her name is familiar, but we're in his own mind. And in his own mind, how can you know, he's saying, why do I know her name? Should I look on a dating site? I mean, look on a dating site for someone he's going to work with. That seems. Yeah. I was well, he, yeah, I guess I was thinking, well, you know, he was trying to find, you know, where, where did you know her? He was looking on the dating sites. He's just trying to figure out where, where could I, you know, what could I, where could I you, find her? You yeah. might want to cut to the chase with that instead of ah. through all those possibilities yeah. because it sounds really fake. It, it's, ah, it's yeah. not, it's yeah. not going to be bought by many readers. So no. I would, I would just jump right in and say, you know, he knew her name was familiar from somewhere. He, he rummaged through lots of possibilities in his mind and it suddenly came to him that he had met her at this thing and took her out to dinner. Right. Yeah. Ah, okay. Right. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. Um, oh, this, you okay. know, this thing's, this thing's got a long way to, you know, this, He's got a lot of ways to go to tighten it up anyway, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 So I just had a comment about Pablo. Um, Yeah. When they start both running for the train, Mm -hmm. that's not something a guide dog would do. Yes, they do. Um, They're they're teaching them how to do it. They may hop up and go a little faster, but they're not going to have... um, run because they'll put you in danger actually um actually guiding eyes is teaching a lot of guides to run particularly with people who oh are yes i yeah I, I know that um that's well, for different. like athletics for like athletics maybe right yeah um, but not just, that, just but, not just for everyday running to catch the no right. yeah it, it's it's running for um you know, marathons, running in the park, running, running. Right, that type yeah, of thing. but I don't know that they would have. He would be running with the dog for the train, just to catch the train. You know, just in they, order. They may hop up and go go faster. Go faster, but not necessarily run. Not run. Well, he yeah. might want to just say, you know, he said hop up, or you know, they quicken their pace because we're going to miss yeah, the train. Just, you know, hustle, yeah, hustle. That might work better. Yeah, I think that might work better. That we also. Um, make room for a little bit of poetic license. I, I get what what you are saying, Sally, as far as, you know, sometimes it drives us crazy when we see movies or read books and they have blind characters and they're outrageous things that aren't possible. But on the other hand, it, it does it's a positive thing to think of the dog and the human running. And, uh, and when you're the person in that situation, it is, I mean, I, I know I have had situations like that, you know, where I really needed to go fast and could get my dog to go fast. And sometimes it is right. So, I mean, I, I would say that if, if you don't make an error, that's going to make a lot of blind readers mad, then go ahead. Right. And- Leave it in. Or speed up. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to say, you know, running like mad with a dog. 
yeah, that that that's where I kind of wondered about that. You might just say, you know, they knew he they knew he was he knew he was going to catch going to be late. If he didn't hurry, so he had the dog hop up and they hurried to meet the train. Something like that, you know, would work better. What you're trying to do though is very nice. I think what you're trying to do is sort of catalog the minutia of a, the life of a blind person and illustrate to the uninformed that it's just like the minutia of any other life. And I, I, I like that you're doing that. I just, I think you need to, to tighten it up a little bit, but, but I, 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 I see that that's what you're doing, that he's using technology on the train, just like everybody else is using technology. He's hurrying for the train. He's hurrying off the train. You know, he's, he's got, you know, food to eat and shows to watch. And I, so the, the, the basis of what you're doing, I think has a lot of, uh, it's, it's good. It has a lot of promise, but I, I would definitely tighten up on some of it so it doesn't get to be like, you know, a, a catalog of um, skills. Yeah. You know, maybe have other stuff happen in between, maybe, or you know, the rumination that he's doing about the woman. I would definitely cut some of that because, right? Because if he was a real person and he, you know, and he was talking out loud like that, you'd want to throw something at him, say, "Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that, like, yeah." You know, a molester or a pedophile, go away. Yeah. So, this is Helen. Um, yeah, I, I, I love hearing each chapter one after another, and I can't wait to see it crescendo and, and be, then be able to read the whole thing all taken together. It's, a, it's an exciting story, and I I echo Deborah's sentiments that it's it's great to be describing the the day to day vicissitudes and actions and adjustments of blind people. Um, I did notice, apropos of what Deborah suggested, in the along the idea of tightening it, um, in addition to removing the kind of cataloging feel to it, you, mm -hmm. you start so many sentences with he then. He then he he yeah so right. trying to tightening it would help with that, but finding some other way to start sentences um, other than that and plopping some other ways in and maybe bring the begin the end to the beginning or just play with it a little bit so it's not so many he's um, right yeah oh, okay yeah I I see what you're getting at mm. well we have. A little bit of time left, and if you all can stand one more piece. Sure. Ah, oh, sure. Um, so I'll give you the history of, um, I maybe won't give you anything if my Polaris Mini doesn't come on, because that's where it lives. But um, so I recently joined a Toastmasters club, and... Um, don't ask me why. I thought I needed something to do, and then I realized I did not need more to do at all. But I didn't want to just go away and not participate, so I thought I'd definitely stick around long enough to give one speech. And the first speech you're supposed to call an icebreaker speech. Toastmasters has this whole litany of you do this, and you do that, and then you do that. Uh, anyway, so, and maybe I'm 
around. I don't know. But so I said I'd do this speech. Well, I've given a million speeches in my life. And um, thinking about that speech was just, I didn't want to do it. I just thought it's stupid. I don't, it's just not me. I don't want to give this dumb speech about, oh, I was born here and then I went to school here and then I got married. I don't know. I just wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, anybody who's like a dedicated Toastmaster, I'm not making fun of Toastmasters. I'm really not. I'm just saying that was not, that didn't feel right for me. And I was agonizing over it. And so I was to give it on a Sunday. And I went to bed Saturday night thinking, I still have her in that speech. What am I going to do? And I woke up Sunday morning and it was the most exciting thing it's been a long time since I've had that kind of feeling. It was, it was a moment. It was like like when a poem is born. You know, I, I thought, I know, I know how I'm going to do it. And I couldn't get out of bed fast enough and find a keyboard and get writing because I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I did it. And so the thing about it is that the reason I was excited was, A, I was getting the job done, so I wasn't going to show up without my homework. But more importantly, I've thought a long time about, I've resisted writing a memoir, and I've realized that I think this is the format that I'm going to use, not to do a whole memoir, but this would be sort of like, this would be sort of like the preface. So, and, you know, as I've said, you know, to, to some of you with various things, you know, bear in mind that this this is a draft. I mean, even though I gave it as a as a speech, it's it's a draft, and and I'm kind of edit as I go. But anyway, so here it is, and I it's called my photo gallery. Um, so, welcome to my photo gallery. Images burn into the little gray cells of brain that are perhaps more likened to 100 pieces of my heart, shattered, sometimes disassembled but again and again reconnected in a miraculous jigsaw of life. Here I am, a five-year-old in a hospital bed, holding daddy's big hand and hearing the love and sorrow in his words, something about bandages and seeing. Guess how I know how much milk is in this glass? I boast pulling my hand from his to support the vessel, touching the side at its halfway point, the point where the coldness merges with lukewarm plastic. It's here. The half full perspective has stayed with me through the decades. Here is a picture of me later, baby doll pajamas, sitting on Aunt Bee's glider and wondering why I feel icky that Uncle Someone is sitting too close. On another page, I am in a pointy-sleeved dashiki, caressing my six-string Taylor acoustic, singing the words I wrote for four kids killed by the National Guard. Here I am, in the practice room at Adrian College, playing measure, measures over and over from Chopin's Etude Something. 
here I am, one more teenager squeezed in on the chartered bus, sleeping on a church floor, then sitting with Nancy on the grass after feeling the marble steps of the monument, breathing magical air, knowing how good it is to be alive, we shall overcome. Now I am teaching kids just a few years my junior who think I am a professor. I sit on the edge of my desk and sing Leonard Cohen's Joan of Arc, inciting them to tell a story with their own words. Here now, a section of my action picks. At six, I am hanging by my knees from the top of the backyard <laughs> set, and at eight, dropping my two-year-old cousin from my lap as I soar to the sky on our single rope swing. I forgot to hold on to her and the ropes. And at 10, climbing our tree with my best friend, Carla. Now I am running with Natasha, my silver shepherd guide, like a fawn in moonlight, Christine said. Now I am pedaling my brother's new bike round and round the block. He is only nine, I 17. Years later, I will ride 50 miles a day in full cyclist regalia, proclaiming yet again that it is so good to be alive. Here I am on my first ski trip, astonished that I can participate in this magic trick, fly up and down these hills, poles uh, pumping and inhaling utopia. Here, for so many pages, the beginning of my journey as a mom, amazed and fearful, I hold the pink bundle in my arms, touch her cheek, sneak a feel inside the blanket one more time to count her toes. You can see the awe in my face, but not the fear. What have I done? This is a miracle I am too small to handle. But turn the page to see roller skates and Girl Scout overnights, witch costumes and sand castles and college visits. I do somehow rise to raise the miracles that are my children. And here is the poet me drinking wine before climbing to the third floor reading room, reading the poem I wrote on the bus on the way here because the others were not good enough. Never good enough could be my mantra. But that photo doubt is hidden behind I am my own superpower. Woman of the year, they called me when I was decades younger than the other nine whose faces filled our newspapers. I was bemused and embarrassed by this honor, but it was a stepping stone to sliding my proposal under the publisher's door. Yes, we would love for you to write a column every week Disability rights matter, and so do your words about them. Here, I sit on a mountain of words, two million of them I have published, 
and still running like water. Books, newspapers, magazines pile high with my words, but the ones I love most are the ones that are dots on a page, almost invisible, meaningless to the naked eye, as meaningless as printed words and photographs are to me. Some say I am blind, but I see clearly, vividly in my mind, and the glass is still half full. Wow. Oh, that's, that's, wow. Yeah, that's your something. Good job with the glass connection. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I love the line, uh, a miracle that's, that is too hard for this small person to handle. That's a beautiful image. It's very evocative. Yeah. What I'm thinking about doing is, yes, you know, so the, the, the format, what's feeling so fun to me is doing it in photographs, verbal photographs. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking about is, I think now that I just reread, I'm thinking it's is too much crammed in for a preface. So I'd like to like break it up into pieces and then and then write actual prose chapters in between that are more like what other people do. You know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That would work, yeah. So there's nothing, you know, I've said it, I've, I've said it here before, you know, there, there's nothing, I can't do anything without pressure, without deadlines. So I'm really grateful to the Toastmasters because. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I and, you know, it sounds like it's that they would, you know, they can, what you have, the kind of speech you have to give for them is something you can write about too, incorporate in. In writing too, you know, you write articles about whatever you're giving your speeches about. So that's not a bad thing, actually. Mm-hmm. You wrote that all on Sunday morning. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote it. Actually, it took me about twenty minutes to write it, and then oh, oh. <laughs> okay, because that's that's just that's how my brain works. It's like I worry about something. You know, I mean, that's how I was when I was in school. That's how I was when I was doing my column. I, lots of my columns I wrote in really short, you know, I wrote that morning. But but I have to worry about it. I, I you know, I have to fret and fret and fret. And I was so mad about that Toastmaster speech because I just didn't want to do it. And there's 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 a, a lot of, uh, it's, it's cool if any of you want to join Toastmasters. It's a club that a guy who's blind and his wife who's sighted started. So it's, it's called VIP online, you know, it's for visually impaired people, but everybody else who'd given an icebreaker speech, their icebreaker speech was about being blind. I just didn't want to do that. Cause that's not right, right. how I see myself. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, if I have to describe me to somebody else, <coughs> describe me as being blind. So <laughs> Which, you know, so, what does that you mean? You know, they and they don't they don't all have to be boring. I mean, the ones that I've heard 
over the yeah. years. And mine, when I did my t- um, icebreaker, I wrote mine <clears throat> almost like a like a personal ad. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I don't even think I mentioned blindness. It was obvious I was blind. I didn't have yeah. to say it. Well, <laughs> and some of them. Last week, guy gave one that was really charming, and it was about career goals. And 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 um, he actually really downplayed it when I, you know, praised him and said how much I liked it. And he said, "Oh, he wished he'd done a lot better," and you know, all that kind of stuff. But I I thought it was really good. And and he, the blindness got worked into it, but it got worked into it because I wanted to do this career. And suddenly realized that really wasn't very feasible because you needed to be able to see. Of course, I told him you didn't need to be able to see to do what he wanted to do. But anyway, it was, but, um, you know, I, and obviously blindness is always going to find its way into everything that any of us write pretty much, you know, if, if it's, uh, just part of who we are, whether we like it or not. Right, right. So it's yeah. always find its way there. But anyway, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I now if I can just find, you know, pressure enough from somewhere to. You can yeah. Moment when I had to give a presentation on music as theater, and I took as my presentation the work the Die König, the Elf King, and the story behind that, and the music, and what Schubert did with it, uh-huh. and all this kind of stuff. And then, oh, by the way, I got an A on that thing. <laughs> oh, good, good. Way to go. Well, yeah. If you know, <laughs> something you're passionate about and something you're interested in, yeah, you're definitely. Yeah, and so uh, being that my other classmates really didn't have training in in music as theater and classical music particularly, um, he says, well, we already know where you're probably going to end up is in, in music criticism and review. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> actually you know that's something that you, you might that being an interest um you, you might try writing a piece like that you know oh, a, yeah. a, 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 you know music critics can be and theater critics can be pretty tough i mean that's there, there's you know there's not a whole lot of that going on so anyway um so I've kept us over. I said, I, you know, I asked you all permission to go 90 minutes and it's 91. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Debbie. This was fun. And we'll, we'll thank see you all everyone. next month. Good night. Yeah. Night. Take care. Bye bye. Right. Yeah. Have a good one. Keep writing. <laughs> good night. Night. <laughs>